Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SolarScreenAndRoll.com with me, Christian Rebus, and Jacob Rood, here with you on the eve of the restart of the NBA season. By the time you're all listening to this, uh, we will be hours away from Lakers basketball, depending on what time you listen to this. Um, we post, we usually post Thursday night, so people listen Friday morning. We're posting Wednesday night now. Uh, because you will all be delighted to have a post-game <laughs> show with Anthony Irwin uh, and the lovely Sabrina Merchant. Only one of those is tongue-in-cheek. I'll let you guess who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I, I already have a question for you. I told you we were going to talk about this before the, uh, the show. We hardly ever stay on topic here. We'll eventually talk about the Lakers. Um, what did you think of uh, Joe Kelly last night? I thought it was wonderful. Um, we we have a Discord we're in. I I said to the to the chat yesterday. I do not condone violence. I obviously do not want anyone from the Astros getting permanent brain damage from like a ball getting thrown to their head. I don't think that was cool. I also don't think it was intentional. But you know that's a that's a conversation for another time. Um, but you know. Uh, a stinger to the back that just leaves you sore the next day. Uh, I think that is, you know, a fair punishment because one, none of the players got anything to begin with. Joe Kelly got a worse punishment than any of the Astro play- Astros players got for knowingly cheating in the World Series. One of which was uh, one of which was played against. I don't know um, if you know this, Jacob. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes. But my favorite thing about the whole Joe Kelly thing is the fact that he wasn't even on the team. And I know you brought up that like he still has a reason to strongly dislike the Astros. But the fact that he wasn't on that Dodgers team specifically cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was on the Red Sox team that beat that the Astros beat to get to the Dodgers. Um, but... Yeah, I, I'm in the same – I'm of two minds here. I'm really conflicted on this. Generally, I'm adamantly against throwing at players, and I've been outspoken about that. Yes. Um, very Stephen A. Smith voice. However, <laughs> just the way this whole thing played out with the Astros was already, like, annoying enough. They the players absolutely should have been suspended. I won't dive too deep into that. I think that's just general consensus. Uh, the way that they continue to react to all this yes. is what makes me just as mad. I I let me see if I can find the quote here. One of the yeah Lance McCullers who was on the team last year uh, said what Joe Kelly did was quote unprofessional. Uh, what I also consider unprofessional is cheating to win a title. So it's just like, stop talking. And I would feel a little bit more remorse for him, but they just keep talking. Um, I mean, I would say having, I was watching the Dodgers game just to see what would happen. 
I mean, Joe Kelly was all over the place. I, he has a really strong argument that he did not even mean to throw that ball at, uh, I think it was Bregman's head. Um, he's not going to win that argument. I, if the MLB is going to hand out suspensions like this to guys who throw at the Astros, it's just going to continue to make everyone angry because all of the Astros players got away with it. Um, I mean, I know this is was discussed at the time, but if you just lose a couple draft picks and are fined a little bit, or I mean, relatively speaking for these franchises, a little bit of money, uh, I think everybody would do it to win a World Series title. So uh, it it felt like a slap on the wrist. But, yeah, I I absolutely uh, – I was laughing last night. I didn't really feel too bad about it. I mean, in the – he threw behind him. Again, I don't know how much control he had over it. I felt a little bit better about that because it wasn't particularly close to him, and it still gets the message across. If people want to keep doing that, like – throw behind the guys. You don't have to throw that high. Just that gets the message across. Um, I, but yeah, it seemed like the MLB was uh, trying to make a set a precedent, basically make an example of Joe Kelly that uh, they're not going to stand for that. And it was received exactly how you'd expect it to be received today on Twitter. Well, at least they stand for something. Um, what's, what's funny about the whole Astros thing is that, Everybody on the team, I don't know if it's just because I'm a Dodgers fan, but everybody on that team just seems like a Disney Channel original movie bully to me. Like Alex <laughs> Alex Bregman fits that stereotype perfectly. And I think that's why it is so fun to dislike them. Um and I don't know what I don't know what stereotype Joe Kelly fits. It's definitely not Disney Channel. That's at least an AMC <laughs> TVMA like western villain what's that one amc had a western show for a while um, uh, i know what you're talking about was it west was it westworld no no no. i think westworld's um hbo or something but yeah i know i know what you're talking about i can't remember <laughs> the show it's uh that was that was a lot of it, it, it's just sports are fun i don't know how long baseball is going to be around uh but i am enjoying it while it is here uh and i will certainly be enjoying basketball when it comes back which again is on Thursday and the Lakers really don't have much to play for in these eight seeding games. Uh, We've talked about it before, but all they need is three wins and they have the number one seed locked up, which uh, Jacob is pretty good. I'd say in terms of (laughs) uh, like regular season success, if you will, even though it's weird, these, these eight regular season games don't count towards award voting. They still count towards like all time stats, I think. So whatever points LeBron James puts up in the bubble will count towards his all time uh, point total towards catching Kareem or you know whoever else he he catches on his when he's forty three and retires. I'm guessing. I would. I mean, I think it was the right call to not have the awards. Uh not have any of the play in the bubble count toward the awards. Um, this is going to be such a weird, like, eight games, however many games they end up playing. Uh, just kind of – I think it does kind of take off some of the pressure, or at least some – yeah, I mean, some of the pressure from these guys that none of, 
no awards are going to matter are going to be based on how they play in this bubble. Um, I don't know how many guys that really affects, but it can't hurt. Um, yeah, it's just an odd situation. They, it it should count for all time stats. I don't know how many games are teams going. I mean, I know it's all different. The Lakers will end up playing about seventy games. Um, Sixty four, yeah, seventy one games. So right around seventy games. It's already going to be a shortened season for all time numbers and whatnot. Um, it's going to be just an odd situation but yeah I mean it seems like the Lakers kind of as expected are taking this real slow um everybody's kind of treated it differently the Pelicans their final game were like ramping things up and the starters played like 25 to 30 minutes and then the Lakers sat LeBron AD I can't remember who all sat I think Danny Green sat or Kuzma they sat a whole bunch of guys, so it's interesting to see how everybody's kind of treating this differently so far. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that's interesting about this eight-game seeding schedule is there aren't really any, like, super marquee games I'm looking forward to, and I think it has to do with, like, the lack of stakes the Lakers have to play for, but it's also the players that are available. Like, take Thursday, for example. Lakers and Clippers has probably been – I'm sorry, not probably. It has been the most watched game of basketball every night they've played. And for the most part, it's lived up to the hype. Like, every game they've played has gone down to the fourth quarter. Uh, And if they haven't, a team has made a run in the fourth quarter to make it interesting. It's been real fun. The Clippers will not be at full strength tomorrow. The Lakers... Uh, or I shouldn't say the Lakers announced. Anthony Davis announced that Anthony Davis plans <laughs> on playing tomorrow. Uh, depending on you know what the eye doctor says or the doctor, whoever he needs to speak to in regards to his eye. As long Do as they he... have an eye doctor in the bubble, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> well, they apparently have some form of a dentist because uh, Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram. They never really explained, but they had to have some type of dental work done. So maybe they have like two-way players in the bubble, like just real versatile doctors. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I catch you. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I, don't know. But the point is Anthony Davis will probably play against the Clippers, which is great for the Lakers. Uh, but if I am recalling correctly, the Lakers, or the Clippers will not have Montrez Harrell for sure. Patrick Beverly is still up in the air. Lou Williams, I believe, will not play. Yeah, he won't be playing for a couple games. So that that's already a, a few players that – and not just like – it's not like Terrence Mann isn't going to be playing. These are key players in the rotation that in a playoff series are going to make a big difference, or at least they hope. Um, so them not playing is is a bit of a bummer. Eric Gordon's not going to be healthy for that game that the Lakers play against the Rockets, uh, or at least that's the judging by the timeline, he won't be uh, there. There are a few injuries that kind of any excitement towards these games has kind of just been taken out for me. Yeah. I, I don't know how, ex- I mean, me personally, how excited I really was for the seeding games because 
I mean, I just, until proven otherwise, I can't imagine these are going to have the same kind of like intensity and just kind of atmosphere of like this Clipper Laker game is going to be a really odd one. You mentioned how popular, how many people tune in for the other three. Each one of those games felt like a playoff game. I I could not even begin to tell you what this Laker Clipper game is going to feel like, like a really good summer league game. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what the scrimmages have felt like are summer league games, which, I mean, I enjoy going to summer league. I enjoyed watching the games, but um, it'll be interesting to see how much the intensity, the level, any of that picks up. I don't know how much you really can do that um, without the crowds there. I know we'll probably talk about that later. But, yeah, these games are going to be interesting. Um, And, I mean, like I said, also to see how the Lakers handle them. We talked about it the last time um, you and I potted about how how many games we thought, like, LeBron and AD would play and whatnot. Um, AD already got a minor injury. Um, I'm looking forward to see if he wears those glasses or the whatever you want to the uh, call them the correct the Kareem, term. <laughs> yeah the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar glasses. Um, I think LeBron already posted something on Instagram, Anthony Davis or Anthony Jabbar Davis or something. He, he looks good. Him. Yeah, he looked well. He it was either him or it was the Lakers that shared a picture and with like the little fro that Anthony Davis has going on, it, he looks a lot like yeah. Kareem did in what, the picture they shared. He, he, it looks natural on him, but it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, none of these, I don't know, maybe it'll be different once the games start, but having watched a full slate of scrimmage games, I just don't really know how intense these games, these regular season games are going to end up being now. What I'm most interested in seeing is what I was most interested in seeing in the scrimmage games, which I did catch despite being in Lake Tahoe for the last week. Um, It was actually really nice. Not just the area that I was in, but being able to watch basketball games. I, when I was there two years ago, I didn't have any signal. So I thought I was going to miss Jr. and Dion's big debut which would have hurt me more, arguably, than Anthony Davis' debut for the Lakers. And uh, they did not disappoint. So I am personally interested in seeing how big of a role Dion and JR have in the rotation and when they're at full strength, which I think, assuming everybody plays, they'll have a full 15-man rotation. 17, if you include Kaycock and Costas. Uh how that looks i don't imagine lebron and ad will play over 35 minutes tomorrow given the fact that the clippers aren't at full strength um but when rotations start to take shape i want to see who's playing alongside alex caruso kyle kuzma and dwight howard in that second unit excuse me uh i do not know if it'll be Deion Waiters or J.R. Smith or Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. Uh, Markeith Morris has also been noticeably, or with the exception of that last game, obviously hadn't played much in those games. So to see him get integrated along with the other new guys and, you know, maybe more Taylor Horton Tucker minutes, which he really does not like to pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> A lot That's, of Jordan Clarkson in. Yeah. 
I uh, yeah, I I think he's making the transition to a point guard right now, but he's still very much a shooting guard. And every time he had the ball, I don't know if it was by design, Frank telling him whenever you have the ball, go for the basket. But yeah, he he does not like to give it up. It it suddenly got actually really interesting. Um, I mean, Dion for the most part was kind of a. I, don't want to, I mean, he is a meme, but that's not really how I guess we we're discussing him because we knew he'd play some part, especially after Avery Bradley opted out and Rondo got hurt. He's, like, actually looked really good. Like, not even, like, playing in the bubble in a scrimmage game good. Like, he's looked legitimately good. Um, It's going to be interesting, like you said, to see what those second units are. I mean, in theory, if you have a second unit, I mean, we see it with Lou and Trez. If you just have a second unit that can space the floor, run, pick, and roll, that's really all you'd need from those types of units. Um, I mean, if you put out a a Dion Caruso, um, maybe Kuzma, Marcus Morris, and Dwight, um, or you could even make it a three-guard lineup and slide Kuzma and Marcus Morris down, you have a lineup that can um, shoot the ball. <laughs> yeah, definitely that. Dion proved that he can be a really good scorer off those ball screens. Um, so not only seeing how those lineups play or who plays in them, but like, man, if he keeps playing as well as he did, I don't know how you integrate Rondo back into the lineup especially when it's going to be like the second round of the playoffs before he's back. Like suddenly it got a lot more interesting to see if and how Vogel brings back Rondo come playoff time. Yeah, it's it's a small sample size. And I wrote a little bit about it earlier this week about whether or not Rondo still has a place on the Lakers when he comes back. It might be a little premature, but I think the Dion Caruso connection alone like they on on paper, they just make more sense than than Rondo and Caruso. So, if you were to pri- prioritize Caruso over Rondo, which I think they should, um, they, they should. <laughs> I don't know if he will. I think that is the direction you go, and it's not that Rondo and Caruso don't make sense on paper because their net rating together this season has actually been pretty good. The problem with that unit, though, is you become over reliant on the other three players scoring because neither Caruso or Rondo are scoring threats. I think Caruso can make something out of the pick and roll a little better than Rondo can just because of his speed and athleticism. Uh, I also don't, I also think Caruso is more willing to shoot the ball than Rondo is uh, probably because Rondo knows he hasn't been able to, you know, hit anything this season. (laughs) But the, the point is, as even as fairly as Rondo has done alongside Caruso this season, you put a scoring guard that can handle the ball alongside Caruso and you make Caruso a secondary playmaker who does the little things and, um, you know, attacks open lanes. You have a good backcourt with or without LeBron James, which I think Vogel has even said himself, that having the likes of Dion and JR in the second unit has given him confidence 
to not have to stagger LeBron and AD all the time, which I don't know if that's something he said about Rondo. Like with Rondo in the lineup, I don't think he has. And if he hasn't, the fact that he's staggered LeBron James and Anthony Davis the way he has makes me think he feels otherwise. So I'm not holding my breath. I do anticipate Rondo will see the floor again this season. I just don't know if it will come at the expense of one of Alex Caruso or Deion Waiters. Well, I fear I know the answer to that, but that'll be a bridge we can <laughs> we can uh, cross when we get to that point. But this has also kind of showed the different kind of ball handlers you can have and what it really unlocks. I mean, at their core, Dion and Rondo are both ball handlers, ball handling guards um, that can run screen and rolls well. But with Rondo, there's absolutely – virtually no scoring threat. Um, He might throw those wild layups off and get them off and make a couple here and there, especially if he's playing Chris Paul. Um, Whereas with Dion, you always have to worry about him scoring off of those. And he showed in this scrimmage or in these scrimmages that he can play make as well. And that's the key. If he can set up teammates, out of those screen and rolls, like I, I kind of, I, I kind of did the blinking gif when you, I hadn't seen the Vogel quote about not staggering LeBron and AD. Um, we'll see because I still think you should always have one of those guys on the floor. Yeah, but especially in the minutes without LeBron, you're just kind of looking to tread water and not lose a whole bunch of ground. Um, and Dion definitely changes what you're able to do. I mean, if you're able to just give Dion the ball for come playoff time, come four, three, four, five minutes in the in each half, um, just say go run some ball screens, and and let's see what happens. If you're able to do that each half, um, I mean, as long as you can tread water in those minutes, that's still. You're still getting 40, 42 minutes out of LeBron, and you're not just hemorrhaging points in those minutes. So it'll be – I mean, I was really – I didn't expect a lot from Dion, but, boy, I was really impressed with him. So the the full quote from Vogel uh, is actually in regards to Alex Russo and Kyle Kuzma and the way they've split ball handling duties in the second unit. Uh, it is – a quote from Saturday, which I believe the day they played. Uh, was their the second game? Yeah. So the game before Orlando, which was, it is slipping my mind. Um, so we'll go back to that. Uh, but his quote is, uh, it makes sense. We'll probably stick with that, as in uh, the Kuzma and Crusoe lineup. Um I think with what Kuz is doing and the way Alex has been playing, you have some lineups you can put out there that we have confidence. And even if LeBron and AD are not in, but we will likely uh, probably have one of those two guys in the game. So they're still going to stagger. I think his point is the way the second unit's constructed right now, he feels a little more confident to where he doesn't have to, which is good. All mm-hmm. good things. Mm-hmm. And, um, Geez, on a, on a night before a game, we'd usually preview the upcoming game, but Alex and Alex did that on their episode of Taco Tuesday, 
so you should check that out definitely. And when we come back from our little break, uh, we will answer some questions we have for each other about the season restarting. Jacob, this is a Lakers podcast, but you and I, above all else, are basketball fans. We love the league, which is why we take an hour or so out of our day to talk about it. Uh, so I had some questions for you, or even wondered what questions you have for me uh, before the season restarts. What's what's really head scratching that that hasn't been answered yet or you really want to see uh in in these eight seeding games or the postseason so i think i mean we've discussed it a lot we probably don't have to talk a ton about it but i mean the biggest burning question for me is who makes the eight seed out of the west i mean the whole number of teams and not just making it the playoffs was basically done because of how close the eight, the race for the eight seed in the West was. So um, I think that's definitely the most burning question. That's why the format is what it is. Um, And I mean, there's only so much you can take away from scrimmages, but man, the Pelicans have looked really good even without Zion. Yeah. I here's the thing you know just as well as I do because we work together on a little site called Lonzo Wire a USA Today sports media group site I am not entirely sold and on Lonzo Ball as a prospect and it has nothing to do with the fact that I want to be the most famous person from my hometown I'm facing an (laughs) uphill battle right now because you have Lonzo, Lamelo, as much as I hate it, Leangelo is also more famous than I am. Uh, and then you have Onyeka Okongwu out of USC, who is going to be likely a top 10, if not a top five pick in the upcoming draft. Uh, so it's, it's tough out here for me, but that has no bearing on my analysis of Lonzo Ball's talent. <laughs> my biggest concern is his shot making ability, uh, shot creation really and i don't want to minimize lonzo's problems to this but really a, a lot of the same problems that the lakers are having with caruso right now is yes he's a lead guard lonzo's obviously a much more talented passer than caruso is but i'm talking about in terms of shot creation and um his offense really being limited to open lanes to the basket and three point shooting, which to his credit has been quite good this season. Um, I want to see more from him in that regard, but the fact that he's been as productive as he's been, even with those obvious holes in his game is really scary. <laughs> like yeah. the, the him, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson is a very good big three. You can argue they're fit, but when you have, players that talented on the same team and you have complimentary veterans like JJ Redick who just went absolutely nuts the other day in their uh, scrimmage season finale. Uh, Derek Favors, Josh Hart. I, I really like that team. 
if I had to guess, they will probably get the eighth seed. I think people are still sleeping on the Grizzlies a little bit. Um, but the fact that they don't have Justice Winslow, I think, hurts them a little bit. Not that he was playing a huge role anyway. I don't think he played a game, actually, for mm-hmm. them. No, they also, Tyus Johnson, their ba- or Tyus Jones, excuse me, um, their backup, he's going to be out for at least a week with knee soreness. So we'll see what happens there. But in terms of pure entertainment value and wanting to watch basketball, I think I'd enjoy watching the Pelicans play more. Um, if for no other reason than I hate watching John Morant land. Oh, yeah. I um, said the same thing about Embiid the other day watching the Sixers. Every time he goes down, like, I'm like, oh, no, he's hurt. It's the same thing with Jaw. <laughs> like, every time he goes through the air, I'm like, oh, he is going to really hurt himself here. Yeah. The – so the team everybody's been talking about, I think is the trailblazers because of Damian Lillard. And I do not want to discount that because Damian Lillard is a very good basketball player, despite his questionable social media posts. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I, I don't know, like with any team in the eighth seed and really any team except the Clippers, the question goes back to who guards LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, you might have an answer for Anthony Davis. And you, you might have an answer for LeBron James. Most teams don't. Even fewer teams have an answer for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the Trailblazers have an answer for none. Like, you can toy around with Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic in the front court, and I think that's fine. I think you probably contain Anthony Davis, hold him to maybe 20 points instead of 30. LeBron James... And Carmelo Anthony, and outside of that, they have Nasir Little. Huh. I, I don't. Um, I don't know, Jacob. I'm not. That's not a matchup that worries me too much. So that was a team on paper that worried me. Uh, and then I'm blanking on the coach's name. Terry Stotts came out and said, "Yeah, we're gonna play Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside together." Ugh. And I was like, mm, okay, well, that's fine. I'm a lot less worried about him now. And that was even before Dame, his foot injury. Um, I don't know how serious it is. It was serious enough. He sat out a, a scrimmage game, which take that for what you will. Um, and Ariza's not there. Yeah, Ariza's not there. I mean, Dame had x-rays on his foot. So, I mean, it's definitely to some degree serious. Uh, but, I mean, this window is going to be so small for those – eight seed teams that literally every game is going to matter. Um, So even if he misses a game or two and they lose both those odds are, it's probably done because one of the Blazers, the Pelicans or the Kings or hell even, I mean, I guess the Suns are still there, but one of those main three teams are going to uh, are going to make a run. So if you're the team that doesn't immediately make the run, you've pretty much, you're pretty much done. And, you're going to play your eight games and leave most likely. The team that really interests me is the Sacramento Kings. Cause I, I think they have a lot of real talented guys on paper. Like you look at Fox bogey, Bazemore healed Rashawn Holmes. Who's been really, really good this season. Uh, who would probably get paid if he wasn't under contract already. Um, I like I like their team. I like their talent. 
not in love with their head coach, which is why I don't think they're getting as much consideration as they should uh, because they started the season so poorly. Mm-hmm. And it was it's not like Luke Walton was blameless in that. Uh, and then Marvin Bagley obviously also isn't healthy. So, which I, f- I feel really bad for Marvin Bagley. It's, it's bad enough that he was taken ahead of Luca, and now he's just trying to work his way back and, and prove people wrong, but he's never on the court. So that really sucks. Um, just like a number two pick curse, I guess, because Lonzo deal- dealt with the same thing. Uh, but yeah, um, Spurs I'm not worried about, Suns I'm not worried about. No, not in the least bit. And I don't think either of them will really be a factor in this. It's pretty much as we expected after watching the the three scrimmage games is it's basically going to be a four-team race between the Grizzlies, Blazers, Pelicans, and Kings. And right now, I mean, coming into it, I said Pelicans, and they did nothing to yeah. prove me otherwise. So I would say it's the Pelicans. Along the same line, the question I have for you is, do you see any potential for a first-round upset in the Western or Eastern Conference? I mean, well, definitely not in the Eastern Conference and, like, the first two because the Nets, Magic, and Wizards are atrocious. (laughs) So the Bucs are going to – they could honestly sit Giannis, and I think they would win the first round. Um who I assume the Raptors are going to be the two seed. Uh, they're not going to have any problems with whoever the, the seven seed is. Yeah, this is all assuming the standings stay the way they are right now. Yeah, I was going through looking. Um, Celtics-Philly would be a really interesting one. It seems like Philly is kind of rejuvenated a bit. Ben Simmons is playing power forward and shooting multiple threes in a game. Uh, baby steps, but he's getting there. I don't really count four or five as an upset. Um, see the Western conference. I I mean, I'm going to say yes, because the Western conference that, and this is one of my questions. So we could even talk about it too. Just how the Western conference is going to shake out because that two through six is separated by four games. Um, so any number of matchups are still possible. Like Clippers rocket or excuse me, uh, nuggets rockets. Like I would probably take Houston in that especially because the Nuggets have been just – they've had, like, nobody available in this preseason. Like, they were forced to play five forwards or centers. That wasn't and they made, like they made some weird about it. trades at the trade deadline, too, that yeah. I wasn't in love with. OKC Utah as a 4-5. I mean, I know that hardly counts as an upset. But I would take OKC in that, especially with Utah not having Bogdanovich. So I do think there will be an upset, and most likely in the West, just because that two through six. Um, I mean, even the Mavericks at seven, they have like – or I mean, before this whole thing happened, they had a like an offense that was like one of the best offenses in the history of like net ratings or offensive ratings. Um, they were the best offense in the league. So, I mean – the Clippers are obviously going to be a horrible matchup for anyone. Um, but they would even be capable of pulling off an up- upset too, depending on where they land and who they match up with. So I think that West is going to be just super interesting. The two through six, even two through seven. The I So I'm with you on the Nuggets, especially because the birth of Bull Bowl <laughs> really interests me. Um, and the fact that 
he could like play a role in the Nuggets locking up the two seed while still being eligible for rookie of the year next year is hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, but jokes aside, I, I think the Nuggets are even with the wonky trades they made at the deadline, which gave on like the core of Russell Beasley and cat in Minnesota kind of intrigues me. Uh, I don't know what they'll do outside of that, but, you know, that's something. I like Malik Beasley. Yeah, I, don't, uh, but I still don't understand why they traded him. He's good. I, he, uh, he was due for an extension. They weren't going to pay him, I think, is what it boils down to. Well, that, I'm not going to side on penny-pinching millionaires. But, <laughs> I mean, when you, have a, when you have a championship window like this, like Malik Beasley is a huge di- would be a huge difference for this team. Like, man, and that's not even counting. Like, they, like I said, they were – severely undermanned yeah like not only were they playing those huge lineups like they only had like seven eight guys available not even in the first game either like they when they played the pelicans it was the exact same thing like they their team has barely been together during in this bubble and like we said like each game is going to matter a ton so they lose a game or two and suddenly they go from a three seed to a six seed and um I mean, in terms of seeding and home home court advantage, obviously doesn't matter. It's all going to be matchups, but you also want to build momentum as you get toward the playoffs. And if you're immediately coming out of the gate losing, it's not gonna. It's not a great start, obviously. The Rockets. I've mentioned this before. Worry me a little bit. I would. I wouldn't be mad if they ended up in a different bracket than the Lakers entirely. Um, and it's not because they match up on paper well with the Lakers. It's just, I think the last game they played where they kind of just blindsided the Lakers with the super small ball, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I Mm -hmm. do not like when people put small defenders on Anthony Davis because he just kind of struggles with that. It's kind of why the Clippers had – or had the game they had against him on opening night because they put Trez on him and and just wasn't great. So that's uh that's the team I'm a little worried about. Beyond that, I I mean the Mavericks are fun. Don't know if unless they throw it into Boban every time, which is not a bad game plan because Boban is very tall and he looks like he plays basketball just because he can. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. The – I mean, uh, Harrison and I talked about it last week. It's funny watching Boban go against other centers because, like, he went up against Dwight, and Dwight's, like, this big physical yeah. presence. And against <laughs> Boban, he's like a child. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I had to pick, I would love the Clippers and Rockets to be on the other half of the bracket because those are the I, – I don't know – Houston doesn't really worry me. They just kind of annoy me. Yeah. And you can, when you play like they're going to, like one or two really good shooting nights where they actually hit 17, 18 threes or something, and odds are you probably just lost the game. And It just extends the series, if anything, yeah. That worries me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I'll let you finish that thought because I have uh, one other question for you. Well, I was just going to say nobody else really 
worries me too much in the West. Like we said about the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Lakers seem to match up well with them, and they're going to be undermanned. Same with OKC. Um, apparently, if we play OKC in the playoffs, we just need to sit LeBron, AD, and Danny Green and make sure Rondo's <laughs> healthy, and we'll be fine. The next question I had for you uh, is – whether or not you think the teams that are seated in the top three in their respective conferences are reflective of the three best team in those conferences. So right now we have Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Bucks, Raptors, Celtics. Uh, I think when it comes to the Western and Eastern Conference, Lakers, Clippers, best two teams in the West. I don't think anybody would argue that. Bucks and Raptors, I think, are the same thing. So I guess my real question is, who are the third best teams in each conference and do any of them pose a real threat to the top two teams? I would say in the East, it probably is Boston. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're, they've probably been the third best team throughout the season. I think at this point, they're definitely the third biggest threat um, in the East. I mean, at, Toronto and them, depending on how this – these seeding games go and how they look. I mean, right now, I would almost consider that a toss-up. I don't think either of them – I think I would take the Bucks over either of them, but with those two, I would say it's 50-50. Um, in the West, I don't – man, I don't know who the third best team is. Uh, I mean, at, well, I would have said at full strength Utah, but I'm not even sure about that, like – Maybe it is Denver. I had it's so it's weird to say because I had much higher hopes for or higher expectations, I should say, for Denver coming into this season, and they looked really bad for the first I don't month of the season. Maybe I can't think that far back. It seems like an eternity ago. So I would say it's definitely the case in the Eastern Conference. I guess it's the case in the West. I don't really – who would you have as the third-best team in the West this year? Um, so, in, in terms of, like, teams I think will go far in the playoffs, I rank them Lakers, Clippers, and then Rockets. Just because I, I, I buy into whatever Denver does every season, and then they just don't. And the fact that – I was sold on the roster they had built and then they took it apart and try to retool it. I I don't think they'll go as far as I'm sure many of their fans would like them to I have more confidence in James Harden and Russell Westbrook showing up on a nightly basis and really just playing their butts off and, until the Rockets lose by two or, you know, <laughs> it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what, the Nuggets have to do. What's really funny is in the last 15 games before the season was suspended, the five best teams in the Western Conference were the Lakers. Uh, this is post All-Star break. Or sorry, last 15 games, I said. Um, Lakers Thunder with a, an 11 and 4 record, Clippers with a 10 and 5 record, the Sacramento Kings with a 10 and 5 record, and the Dallas Mavericks with a 9 and 6 record. Uh, tied with the Nuggets and Nuggets, Rockets, and Jazz. That's really funny to me. Uh, but again, of all those teams, I think I I 
would feel much more comfortable if I was a fan of any one of those teams with, with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I was thinking it, I was – OKC would have probably been my second choice. Yeah, because um, they've been real good. Yeah, they've – and, again, another weird and interesting team. Um, I don't know what they do this off season. I've listened to a couple podcasts. They – maybe it's just because they've been such a surprise that I would put them that high. I don't know with Houston, man, like – they're built the way they're built is just so odd and like I know it's a lot of like narrative type stuff, but Harden hasn't been the best playoff guy. The argument's always been that he's been worn down. Yeah. That's... He doesn't have any excuse <laughs> now. Like if he no shows in playoff games, it's something entirely different. So I I mean Russ was playing really well um in these small ball lineups. I'm interested to see how much coaches would have watched film and figured out how to, def- excuse me, defend and attack these small ball lineups. I mean, Eric Gordon suffered a what seems like a pretty serious ankle injury um, in the last scrimmage game. He was a big part of what they were doing, um, and that just further stretches them. Um, they don't have a ton of depth, so I don't man. I don't know. OKC would on I would think I would put above Houston. And I know I just said I wanted Houston on the other end of the bracket. I don't know what to make of Houston to be honest. If so for the same for the same reason of like just sheer star power, uh I think I'd put the 76ers and Heat a little higher in the Eastern Conference too. Just cuz I think when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are on it, they're real 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 tough team to beat like that series uh last season the ball would have bounced in another direction they would have moved on like that's crazy to me Mm -hmm. so and and i also i like uh, unlike the nuggets i really like the moves they made in the trade deadline in the post uh like post trade deadline market i think they're a good team with good depth um and the Heat have obviously been, at least to me, one of the surprises of the season. I didn't know what Jimmy Butler and a bunch of role players were going to do. I guess I should have known because, you know, the famous scrimmage game that he had in Minnesota. Uh, but I did not expect Duncan Robinson to be as lights out as he's been. Definitely did not see Bam taking the leap he has. Um, Kendrick Nunn's been good for them. They, they've just looked like a good basketball team. And, you know, at the leading them is captain work ethic, Jimmy Butler. So uh, <laughs> if, if there's anybody you want willing your team in a playoff series, I think it's Jimmy. Uh, but I think Boston, Philly, and Heat, regardless of, of what their records say, I think they're all on pretty an even field. So, yeah, I, I, the ideal version of the Sixers, I would agree, I would put up there. Um, the version that's been there this season, I don't, mm, I don't really know about. Basically, uh, they've struggled. Now, like I said, it uh, it seems like Ben Simmons. Can't remember what what's a phrase Brett Brown used a paradigm shift or <laughs> something like he 
which it was in regards to him shooting threes. And I'm just like, we've heard this for ever at this point, like actually start shooting them and I'll believe it. So I don't know with Philly, like the best version of them. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they're not only the third best team, they may even just be like the second best team and they could give Milwaukee a run, but I don't know with that team and, and whatnot, they do have the best bubble vlogger in the Eastern conference. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I, uh, I really, really enjoy, I think I may have said this last time we potted, but I've been really enjoying his, uh, his pot series or his uh, vlog series, even more than JaVale's with no disrespect to JaVale. I think Matisse just has the benefit of being a little younger and tech savvy. So shout out to Matisse Thibault. Come on the pot if you want. Um, I don't know what we talk about, but um, Jacob, do you have one more question for me or any other questions for me before we head out? I had one more, which we've kind of talked about a little bit. We did at the beginning. It was just how long until this ever feels like real, actual, either regular season games or playoff games. I mean, we talked about it um, when kind of discussing how we're not quite as excited about these games anymore. But, like, I don't know. Like, you're never going to be able to match, like, the playoff intensity that was that is there when – the fans are there because, I mean, that's a huge part of playoff games. Um, so you're never going to get that level, but it's like, are you going to be able to get something close to that? Are these ever going to feel anything more than summer league games, basically, or pickup games? And I don't – right now I don't really know the answer to that. I I don't know the answer to, to that either, but the the one thing I can say with confidence – is what won't make me feel like it is normal is crowd noise <laughs> yeah. because God, I was, um, I was watching the Astros and Dodgers play on FS one and I hated every second of the crowd yep. noise. I've, I, I, I've been outspoken about it too. I, I know I think I've said it on the pod, like just embrace that it's an odd situation. Yeah. And like, this isn't normal. Like just kind of embrace that. Like nobody really has been able on it, it's actually baseball where it's kind of been the most like normal, but that's often because I put on baseball games and just have them on in the background while I'm no. doing other things. Yeah, I was watching it and it did sound like there were people there. The sound has been good. I just don't want to hear it. Like it yeah. doesn't matter if it's good. I just don't want it there. And I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong because I watched these games like on my iPad. The NBA broadcasts have had little to no crowd noise. Is that correct? Yeah. I've watched them on League Pass on either on like the Fire Fire Stick or my PlayStation. I haven't heard much crowd noise, but I mean, it's been there occasionally. I like hearing just the reactions from players like and and not even just players on the court, players on the bench. Yeah. I think get me just as hyped as as a crowd would. And the the presentation of the courts has also been very, very cool. Like, I love the way the courts have been set up in the bubble. Um, I don't know if we should have robotic cameras going to behead other players like <laughs> Luka Doncic. Um, I thought that was weird. But, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I given the circumstances, 
the presentation of the game sans crowd noise, just basketball, no players running into camera, like photographers on the sideline has been such a joy to watch. And I can't wait to see the intensity pick up. But to your point, I don't know if that ceiling is higher than it would be if there were fans in attendance. Yeah, I definitely don't think it ever would be. But uh, I will say, like you mentioned it in passing, having the extended area under the basket, I still don't know why it's taken them this long. Because, I mean, we've seen it should have changed when Paul George had his injury. Um, and there's been various others that the way they have it now needs to just be the norm moving forward. There's so much room. We saw LeBron like diving for loose balls. I don't know that that would have necessarily happened if there were camera people there, but he also, there's so much more room that you can see guys going a little more full steam at the basket and stuff like that. So that absolutely needs to change um, moving forward. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if it'll ever be anything more than like maybe the best atmosphere it's going to end up being is like those summer league games when uh, Lonzo Ball played and the place was sold out. I don't honestly know if it'll even get to that because those, those games had like a buzz to them that wasn't a normal summer league game. But yeah. I don't know. That's, that's just going to be something – it's just going to be interesting to see a, a team – comes into a they're in a playoff series they're down 3-1 how are they going to come out like what type of atmosphere will there be if they get down like in normal series when you're the 3-1 team and you're at home the fans are going crazy and that motivates you maybe you make it a 3-2 series and then anything could happen now it'll be interesting to see if it gets to 3-1 whether teams will even be able to rally and stuff like that. Probably not. No, I don't think so either. But if the, it, it's kind of like a, what we talked about with our friend Justin Russo about Thursday's game is that I my opinion on whether or not teams will be able to come back or whether or not tomorrow's game means anything depends on whether or not it benefits the Lakers. Yes, my views on everything will change on uh, depending on what happens to the Lakers. Like I think we were talking about how important the Lakers Clippers game is. Um, right now, I don't think it's that important. If the Lakers win, it is the most important win of the season. <laughs> well, that's our show for this week. Uh, we went a little longer than I think you and I are intended to, but who knows where we end up on on this pod most of the time. So. Uh, if you've made it this far, thanks for sticking with us. We will be back next week to talk about regular season basketball games, which under normal circumstances, I don't think uh, I'd be especially excited to talk about. But, hey, meaningful basketball games are back. The Lakers are back today by the time you're listening to this probably. So uh, enjoy the game, and uh, you, you'll have Anthony and Sabrina to hang out with right after. So uh, we'll talk to you next week.